So it was almost 40 years ago now that Beth and I made our first trip to New York City. I'll never forget that. I was really excited about it. I'd, I'd heard about New York City. I'd read about it. I'd seen pictures. I had seen it on, on, on TV shows and movies. And finally, we were going to have the opportunity to be there. I remember there were so many things to see, so many sights and so many um, experiences, so many things to hear, so many things to taste, and it was just a really great experience. But maybe the thing I remember the most about my first trip to New York City was my first New York City cab ride. I'll never forget it. There were four of us in our party, and so we got a cab, we hailed the cab, and when he came, he said, that's fine, three of you can sit in the back seat, one of you can sit up front with me, uh, and, and, and so we said, okay, we piled in, and the lot fell for me to sit up front, <clears throat> and frankly, I was kind of glad. I wanted to have a good view of the city and be able to see where we were going, uh, just explore a little bit. <clears throat> Everything was great until we hit the freeway. We hit the freeway, and by that time, I was not even hoping I was not in the front seat or wishing I wasn't in the front seat. I was wishing I was in the trunk, frankly, because here we are in first two, then four, then six, and eight lanes of traffic, bumper to bumper, gliding along at about 75 and 80 miles an hour. Now, I just got to tell you, I'm thinking as I'm watching this cabbie drive this cab, I wish I had a Florida driver's handbook with me that suggested that you needed a distance of one car length for every 10 miles per hour you're traveling, meaning we would have needed about eight car lengths to have a really good safe distance between us and the car in front of us. Instead, we had about eight inches. Now, that got my attention. I've never forgotten it because frankly, I needed a little bit more margin than that. I needed a little bit more distance between me and the car in front of me. And as we're moving along, I can't even enjoy the sights. He's pointing out, by the way, as we zoom by, I can't even enjoy the sights because I'm watching the tailgate of the vehicle in front of me eight inches from us. Well, that's just the way it is. We often will allow a lack of margin in our lives to rob us from seeing and enjoying everything there is in life. So for the last several weeks, we've been talking about interruptions. We've been talking about being interrupted and how we react to being interrupted. We, we've seen in the last few weeks that, that Jesus was interrupted like we're interrupted. The first week, we saw that he was interrupted four different times, performed four different miracles in a short span of time. And each of those miracles, each of those miracles came because he was interrupted. And yet, every time he was interrupted, he didn't, get, he didn't act with frustration. He didn't get angry. He didn't get upset. Rather, he leaned into each of those interruptions so that he could teach his disciples, take the most of an opportunity to show his followers something about himself. And then last week, we saw once again that Jesus is interrupted. This time, he's gone on a spiritual retreat of sorts with his uh, followers, and he's off in Gentile territory in the land of Tyre and Sidon, and a Gentile woman comes to him. Once again, Jesus reacts, taking the interruption and turning it into an opportunity, using that as an opportunity once again to teach us something about himself, but also this time teaching his disciples something about themselves and the way that they viewed people. Well, today we're going to look at interruptions again, and this time we're going to look a little bit differently because we're going to see this time Jesus is not interrupted. He is the interruption. 
I guess if that's possible, it's kind of hard to say he's an interruption, but he's the one interrupting someone's life. And so we want to develop another truth, and we want to learn again something about this interruption and how we respond to interruptions. Well, today, we want to talk about something that's very important for us to build into our lives if we're going to be able to respond properly in the area that we're talking about. And that is margin, margin in our lives. What we're going to learn today is that if we don't have margin in our lives, then we don't have time, we don't have resource, we, don't have oppor- we, we can't make opportunities in, out of our interruptions. So we want to talk a little bit about margin as it relates to interruptions. Now, let's take a moment and let's define margin, okay, so that you really understand what I'm talking about. Andy Stanley has a great definition for us that I think is easy to understand. Andy says, margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the amount that you have that is available beyond what is necessary. So we think about margins. The first thing we think about, of course, is a page, right? And we always leave some kind of a margin. Maybe if you're typing today, you, you leave on your document a half-inch margin or a one-inch margin. You leave it at the top, the bottom, both sides, typically. Why? Because it's important to have a little bit more space than you actually need. That's what margin is. Margin is going beyond what we actually need. <clears throat> so For instance, if I need 10 hours to get someplace and I get there in eight, I have margin. If I need $100 and I have 80 or spend 80, I have margin. That's the point. We have go beyond what we actually need. So defining margin is important. How does that apply to our life? Think with me just a moment because I don't want you to just think about margin. For me, when I think about margin, first thing I think about is the cabbie in New York. First thing I think about is that cab and how there is not enough margin. We need more space between these vehicles. But margin is so much more than that. Margin moves into our lives in so many different ways, right? For instance, we, uh, we have, need margin with our time. So maybe we arrive early. That's how we build this margin in. We arrive early. My father-in-law, I can recall, he used to, uh, after he retired from the army, he went to work for the state of Florida, Division of Corrections, and we used to laugh at him. You know how kids will do that. I understand now, I'm an old guy. I know how the young guys laugh at the old guys. And we used to laugh at him because if he had to be at work at 7.30, he would leave his house at 6.30, Now, you got to understand it's a 15-minute drive. And we would often say to him, why are you leaving at 6.30 an hour ahead of time before you have to be there? It's a 15-minute drive. His response, I want to be sure I'm early and not late. Now, what he was doing without using the terminology we're using is he was saying, I want some margin I want 45 minutes of margin. His stress was left. He left room for something that could happen that he didn't know might happen. Flat tire, for example, or running out of gas or whatever it might be. He left room for that in his life and the pressure decreased. We, we need financial margin, right? Can Think about that just a minute. Financial margin. For instance, financial margin would be having money left at the end of the month after the bills are paid. 
And some of you are like, what's that, right? I've never experienced that. But you can, but you have to create that margin. There has to be a way to spend wisely, to spend wisely and, 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 and intentionally so that there's margin in what we owe and what we make. There's moral margin, right? Think about that just a minute. We, have, we need margin in our moral lives. Why is it that in the area of temptation, often... We push ourselves right to the edge. We get ourselves right to the brink of the temptation before we finally pull back. Why not put some moral margin in your life where, where you have a little bit of a distance, more distance between when you're being tempted and where that falling off period or place is for you. We need all kinds of margin. We need margin, I believe, in our religious lives. Even in our faith life, we need margin. For example, sometimes if you're not careful, we get so busy doing that we have no time to be, right? We get so busy doing for the Lord, we don't have time to get to know the Lord. What we're really doing is choosing a religious activity over a relationship with Him. Margin allows us time not just to do, but often to sit, to just sit and enjoy the relationship that we have with the Lord, to meditate, to think on his goodness, to worship him very um, easily and comfortably without the rush of going to the next thing, without the rush of meeting the next target. I've said before that sometimes I am so busy serving the God I love that I don't have time to love the God I serve. And that's an indictment on us, really. Why? Because we don't have margin. We need to have margin in our lives. In fact, we need to have margin in order for us to have opportunities in our lives. In fact, now you know by now, our big idea has been pretty clear and pretty simple. And we've talked about this a lot. I want to talk one more time, visit it one more time. Jesus, we've said, can turn our interruptions into opportunities. Now think about that just a minute. Jesus can turn our interruptions into opportunities. Now most of the time we see interruptions as something that keeps us from doing whatever we're going to do. We don't have time for interruptions. We don't have space for interruptions. We don't have the resources for interruptions. What we're saying is we don't have the margin in our lives for interruptions. And so when we are interrupted as we inevitably are and will be, we get frustrated, we get angry, we get tense, we get stressed, we, we, we lose our cool, we just can't handle it. Why? Because we lack margin. Now, the truth of the matter is, I'm convinced that in order to create the margin, or in order to have the margin that we need, or I'm sorry, in order to have the time that we need to turn interruptions into opportunities, we need to create some margin in our lives. Now, I want to show you an example of that from Scripture this morning. I want to take you to the Gospel of Luke and, and show you a story, this time, of, a, of two ladies who are interrupted. We're not going to look at Jesus as the example. He's the interrupter, we've already said. But I want to show you two ladies, and I want to show you how they are interrupted, how they respond, what Jesus' response is to them. And then I want to kind of wrap it up by talking a little bit about how we can create this margin 
in our lives. The story is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning with verse 38 and reading through verse 42. It's about two ladies... Two ladies that we're introduced to to by the name of Mary and Martha. Now, if you've read the Gospels, you've probably ran across the story of Mary and Martha. You know they are two sisters who are living together in a little village called uh, Bethany. Now, it's not unusual for siblings to live together in that day. As a matter of fact, we later learn from other contexts that their brother Lazarus is also often there. Not unusual at all as families often added rooms for the family members as they grew and matured. So these two ladies... Mary and Martha are in their home in Bethany, and they have a surprise guest for the day. Let's read about it. In Luke 10, verse 38, it says, while they were traveling, that's talking about Jesus and his disciples. They're traveling. They're on their way to Jerusalem. They're passing through Bethany because Bethany is just across the Mount of Olives from the city of Jerusalem. And an easy day walk from Bethany to Jerusalem, it was a convenient stopover. So while they were traveling, he, that is Jesus, entered a village, Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, what a great thought. Martha welcomed him into her house. Here's a hospitable lady. Here's a lady who is offering hospitality to to this one that she's heard about. We don't know how much she knows him at this point, but she offers to let him come into her home. But now watch what happens. Uh, She had a sister. The tension begins to build up here. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. Now, Luke tells us that these two ladies invite the Lord, Martha invites the Lord into her home, and these two ladies then are here with Jesus and his entourage. And one of them, Mary, is fascinated and in awe of the teacher and wants to hear everything that he says. But watch the tension build in the next verse. It says, but Martha was distracted. Mary was, remember, sitting at the feet of Jesus, but Martha is distracted. What can you distract somebody when Jesus is in the house, right? She's distracted by her many tasks, by her busyness. She's distracted by her work. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Would you tell her to get up and give me a hand? You know, that just sounds so us, doesn't it? I mean, we really, I don't know about you, but I think we can kind of identify here, at least on some level, with Martha. Here she is in her house. She's invited Jesus to come in. He's come in. Suddenly she's realizing, hey, we got a lot to do. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know if she's doing some final dusting. I don't know if she's straightening the furniture. I don't know if she's cooking the meal. Maybe all of those things. And she's stressed. She's stressed because she wants to be the perfect hostess. Now, all the men out there, you're listening to me, you're saying, I don't get the big deal. And all you ladies out there are thinking, oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. Because why? Someone comes to your home, you invite a guest to your home, you want everything in place, you want everything to be right, you want the lights to be just right, you you want the food to be hot and fresh, and, and, and you want everything in its place, and you're stressed if it's not getting there. So many are like that. We get it. But here, the point is, Martha's saying, I'm doing all this by myself. Now, there's so much to say here, and I've got to really watch myself to not just go off because, listen, what I see here is a woman who's doing something very good. 
it's not that she's doing something bad. She's doing something well-intentioned. She's doing a good thing. Which of us, if we knew that Jesus were invited and coming into our houses, which of us would not want to straighten up? Which of us would not want to get the grill out? Which of us would not want to sweep the floors? Which of us would not want everything in place? She's doing a good thing. She's also doing a lot of things. She is busy, 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 busy working. Now, you know, that is so us today, right? We almost wear work as a mantra of some kind, and we almost get to the point that if we can just stay busy enough, everybody will think we're great. Well, look at Martha. She is really out there working. Well, look at Eddie. He's really out there working. Well, he's, he's working 80 hours a week, and, and then with the family, another 30 hours a week. And wow, wow. Well, wait a minute. I'm a, I want us to slow down a bit in this story. And, and as Martha poses this question to Jesus, I want you to notice his response. Tension rises. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will be not taken away from her. Martha, Martha, you're doing a lot of good things, but you're missing the best thing. Doesn't that describe us? We're doing so many good things, but often at the expense of missing the best things. We get into interruptions in our life, and we're so busy with our tasks. We're so busy with our work. We're so busy doing good things. We don't have time for interruptions. And so we get frustrated, or so we ignore them, or so we move by them. The problem is we get so zeroed in on the tailgate of the vehicle in front of us that we miss all of life that's happening around us. We're so zeroed in on the interruption and the fact that it's keeping me from my tasks that I lose an opportunity, perhaps for Jesus to show me something about himself that I need to see, or perhaps that he needs to show me something about me that I need to come to understand. And so here's Martha giving us a really good, good lesson. So I guess I want to go a little bit early to the takeaway today. And I want you to see this takeaway that is so important for us this morning and so necessary for us to see. We need to come to understand how important it really is to get to the place that we create this margin in our lives. We create some margins so that we can move forward with opportunities. So let's think about it just a minute. Let's think about it. How do I create margin? How do I get this margin created in my heart? Well, I can leave first thing, some of this I've learned by experience in the last uh, years of my life. Some of it I'm still learning today, but I'm convinced that we've got to somehow dispel three myths, three myths that come to us and we gullibly swallow hook, line, and sinker. They have us. Three myths. We've got to find a way to move through them and not believe them. What's the myths? First, I can have it all. Many of us believe that lie, that myth. I can have it all. There's nothing out there that I can't have. The truth is, I need margin in my finances. I, I can't have it all. 
I, I need margin. I, I need to have margin. I can have it all. Listen to me carefully. If you're not careful, people will, vendors will sell you plenty of products. New TVs, new cars, new houses, new pools. Go down the list. They'll loan you more money than you have. And before long, you have no margin at the end of the month. At the end of the month, financially, you're looking at the rear end, the tailgate of your financial debt indebtedness, and it's eight inches away. Sure would be more comfortable if it was eight carlings away. Truth is, we need margin. Spend wisely. Think about it just a moment. Wouldn't it be incredible to just say to someone, I know you're willing to lend me this much, but I'm not spending that much because I need margin in my life. The second myth that I think we come is I can do it all. I can do everything. Now, what happens is now we get into our time scheduling, right? And we load our calendars up with everything. We can do this, 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 and this. Well, I got 30 minutes here, and I got 15 minutes there, and I got 20 minutes tomorrow, and I got 20 minutes the next day, and, and, and before I have no nights at home. I have no nights with nothing going on. We think we can do it all. Now, I know, I know this is uncomfortable. And listen, I'm, I'm learning with you guys because, unfortunately... There are many times my calendar gets so full that I have, what? Frustration and stress cutting into my time. And the result is I don't have time for interruptions. The myth is I can do it all. The truth is I need margin in my scheduling. I know this would just floor you, but maybe you need some time just to have nothing on the schedule. Now, listen, don't be, don't be misled here because if you're not careful, you'll talk yourself into some things that don't count. You say, well, well, I don't have any free days, but that's because we're going to Disney on Saturday. But that, hey, that's, that's margin. No, that's not margin. That's not margin. Margin is when you have nothing there. You have margin on your paper. What is it? That margin on your paper means there is nothing written there. The third myth is... Another one where we all claim, I can be all. I can be all things to all people. I can be the perfect mother. I can be the perfect husband. I can be the perfect grandfather, whatever it might be. I can be all to all. I can be the perfect grandfather, the perfect pastor, the perfect leader, the perfect um, teacher, the perfect husband. Whoa. I cannot be all to all. The truth is I need margin in my expectations. In my expectations emotionally. Physically, spiritually, very important that we find a way to... So how do you do that, Eddie? How do you gain control? How do you create margin? How do you reject these myths and hold on to the truth? You know what? God has given us the answer. It goes all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning, we're told in the very first of the very first books that God created the heaven and the earth. In six days, he created the heavens and on the earth. And in the seventh day, he what? He rested. He ceased. He stopped. Now, that's very important. One, one thing we need to understand, he didn't stop because he was tired. He didn't stop because he didn't have time. He didn't stop because he ran out of resources. 
He didn't stop because he was emotionally drained, but he did stop. And this Sabbath carried over into the lives and the rhythm of his people to the extent that in Exodus 20, when the people are about to enter into Canaan, God says, I'm going to give you some rules to live by. I'm going to give you some rules to follow in this new civilization, in this new nation that we're starting. And here's one of those rules. He gave them 10 of them. You remember what the fourth one is? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, what we've done is we've turned that into a convenient church thing. And we said, well, what he means there is on Sunday, you need to go to church. Well, the first thing, Sunday's not a Sabbath. <laughs> I understand that's the first day of the week. But beyond that, he's talking about so much more. There is a principle that Sabbath living teaches us. There is a principle that observing the Sabbath teaches us. In fact, there are several things that I think Sabbath teaches us. First of all, the Sabbath, this idea of stopping, this idea of resting, this idea of... Making it holy means to set it apart, sanctify it, make it a special day, make it a habit, make it part of the rhythm of your life, six days work, one day off, part, yes, stay busy, but leave margin. The Sabbath reminds me that I have limitations. You can't work seven days 24-7. The Sabbath reminds me or brings margin to my life. The Sabbath is what brings margin into my life. You see, six days we work, seven days, keep it holy, separate it, keep it apart. What's he saying? The Sabbath is margin, provides margin. That's much more than that, and we don't have time to develop a whole theology on the Sabbath. But I hope you'll see the point as it regards to this message, in regards to this message, and that is that the Sabbath principle brings margin to my life. And maybe most importantly... The Sabbath reminds me that I am not God. <laughs> I am not God and you aren't either. And because you are not God and I am not God, we have limitations. We need rest. We need space. We need margin in our lives. And the truth of the matter is we will not be able to look at interruptions as opportunities without having margin in our lives. The songwriter David understood it. In the 46th Psalm, David wrote these words, Be still and know that I am God. I wonder how many times God spoke that to David's heart. I wonder if when David went to face the giant Goliath, if God spoke that, Be still and know that I am God. I wonder if when Saul was chasing David in the wilderness, he didn't hear God say, Be still and know that I am God. I wonder if when the prophet Nathan pointed his finger at David and said, you're the man, I wonder if he didn't hear, be still and know that I am God. Be still in the Hebrew. This, this poem originally written in Hebrew, be still means to let the hands hang down. Be at rest. Ah, that's our law. That's our word. Be still. Cease. Desist. Stop. Create some margin in your life, time, in your time, in your finances, in your emotions, in your morality, in your faith walk. Build a rhythm, create a rhythm of margin. I'm telling you, it'll bless your heart. In fact, back to our takeaway, I think very, very important for us to get and for understand as we 
Think about it. It's not on there. Okay. It's not on here. Our takeaway is in order for us to build margin or for us to have opportunities for uh, or to take our interruptions and make them opportunities, we have to create margin. And so there you go. That's our series. Think with me just a moment where we've been. How do we turn interruptions into opportunities? We lean in, right? We lean in to the interruption. We see people as people, not as problems. And we create margin in our lives that gives us the space to take the interruption and realize the full opportunity. Wow, what a thought. Now, I hope you've looked at all of these series. I hope you've watched all these series. I hope you've been a part of all of them. If not, I encourage you to go back because I'm telling you, the message of the last three weeks will impact your life in a powerful way and can create very meaningful and important rhythm in your life as you see interruption after interruption after interruption become opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. It only happens if you have margin. Well, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this time together this morning and allowing us a few moments to look into your word and to think about this rhythm that is created in our heart that you've given us of Sabbath, of space, of margin. Thank you for teaching us, oh Lord, that we need that space. We, we need that margin in our lives. We, we need that margin so that we don't build tension, so that we don't ruin relationships, so that we are careful about following you and treating people the way you would have us to treat people and learning all of the things about you and falling deeply in love with you more and more every day. God, I pray that we not be so busy that we can't get to know you, our Lord and our Savior. God, I pray that today, people who are watching right now will come to know you as Savior and Lord, as sustainer and giver of life, as the one who loves them and died for them. And may we, oh God, learn from you daily. And may we honor you as we make opportunity out of every interruption in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name.